There's been a dizzying spike in the number of children who identify as transgender or non-binary. Five years ago, that number was 15,000 children between the ages of 6 and 17 were diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Last year, there were 42,000, and that's just the number of kids who have been diagnosed. At every stage of the process, they have to be encouraged to transition by adults in important positions. Doctors, therapists, teachers, coaches, counselors, all the way up to the president of the United States. And that's how bad things are. Our president nominated a transgender activist to the Department of Health and entertained a TikTok celebrity who plays a cartoonish stereotype of a woman. They're always recruiting new victims and devoted to making it as easy as possible for minors to transition at whatever cost. And by trans transition, I mean a name change or updated pronouns. This is uh, this is a lot more than just that and more than playing dress up. For the first time in human history, at least recorded history, kids as young as six are receiving puberty blockers, hormone treatments, even surgeries that include irreversible mutilation of genital parts, hysterectomies, and mastectomies. All in the name of compassion, but I don't think that that is compassion. Despite major censorship and progressive bullying around the issue, transition regret is becoming more and more common. A growing number of people who have transitioned have realized that trying to change their gender, gender doesn't solve their emotional or mental problems the way they thought it would. And as you will hear today, it can often make the problems much, much worse. Our guest today, after getting her first iPhone and logging on to Instagram, she says she became brainwashed by gender ideology at 11. At 13, she began medically transitioning to a boy. At 15, she had a double mastectomy. At 18, she has had to grieve the fact that she'll never be able to experience the sacred part of motherhood and even breastfeed her own child. But now she's on a mission, and I'm telling you a very brave mission pray for this pray for this young woman she is extraordinarily brave she says her mission is to expose the darkness and the lies of the transgender movement to save other children here in america and around the and around the world today please welcome our podcast guest chloe cole ever walk into somebody's house and it smells like cat or it smells like fish or it just smells like something they cooked, even if it was good. I used to live in an apartment that everything always smelled like soup. I don't know why. I wish I had the Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier. The Thunderstorm isn't your garden variety of air purifier. This thing uses powerful O3 molecules that actually hunt odors down and destroy them. They also kill viruses, mold, and so much more. And they get to the places you normally can't reach. Behind the refrigerator, under the furniture, all of that stuff. So... 
you'll be getting clean, fresh smelling air all the time. And right now you can save $200 on the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for Holt Home Protection. You'll get three units for under $200. That's an amazing deal, and it means that you can not only keep your house smelling fresh all over, but you can also put one in the truck as well. Listen, um, you may not know how fresh the air you're breathing is, but I'm telling you, when you put in Eden Pure, you will find out how fresh your air can be. Find out. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. Put in the discount code of Glen3 and save $200. <laughs> Chloe. Hi there. How are you? It's such Good, a happy, you? happy face. You're, you're um, a brave woman. And uh, thank you for coming in. Thank you. And uh, I just want to explain if you're watching, she's got a blanket because it's about 62 in here. That's about what we keep the studio at 62. And so uh, I hope you're comfortable. Um, I sure am. I want to, I want to preface this with um this is a subject that you you just can't have a frank conversation on and people on both sides are going to be you know pissy about whatever anybody says um but we have to have this conversation and as a dad um i tried to explain to my 16 year old daughter that compassion without truth and without full knowledge and expression is not compassion um uh and there's a there's a a trend in our country and in our world where i don't care what the subject is you're either with the right people or you're out of society and it's extraordinarily dangerous and you unfortunately have felt it firsthand yeah so Talk to me. You're eight years old and you're a tomboy. Yeah. You have two sisters, two, two sisters brothers. and two brothers. Okay. Yeah. They're all older than me. Right. And you didn't like dresses or, you know, frilly stuff, right? I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of in between on, on those things. Like I, I had influence from both sexes growing up because I had right. so many siblings. And yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I actually, when I was younger, I actually loved like wearing dresses and skirts and things like that and like playing with dolls and I also like playing like video games with my older brothers and like playing with their, their Legos and their, their toy guns. I know a lot of girls that are tomboys. Yeah. And that doesn't make them in the wrong body. It just it is. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. So did anybody think, did you think eight years old, I'm in the wrong body? Um. I mean, the idea never really came to me until I started using social media. Actually, I got my first phone when I was when I was 11. And, you know, because I wanted to fit in with all my other friends who had phones at the time, I made my 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 first social media account on on Instagram and Snapchat and on Instagram. Um, I mean, I wasn't actually supposed to be using it so young because the minimum age is actually 13, but they don't really (laughs) actually don't actually check that. Yeah. Yeah. But um. I saw a lot of things on there that I really shouldn't have at that age. Um, like what? 
I mean, the content from other women, um, other young women, a lot of it is like um, they post themselves in like really like skimpy outfits mm-hmm. or like really, really sexualized poses or mm-hmm. they're, they're wearing like a bunch of makeup or they've got like, they've, they like edit or like filter their bodies mm-hmm. or they even have like, like plastic surgery they're mm-hmm. done on their faces or their bodies. And I mean, aside from that, a lot of it was just like complaining about like um, just how tough growing into a woman is, like how how scary periods and the possibility of pregnancy and the pain of childbirth and then eventually going through menopause. And I find that nobody, no girls or women really ever talked about like the great things about being a woman and the great things that come with all of those things. And I find that this, not only was it like this on the internet, but even from like the, the girls and women that I grew up around me with were kind of like that as well. It's really interesting to me that um, our society, and we've been doing it for a long time, um, says that they're empowering women, but at the same time, they're not. They're empowering a specific type of woman um, that will assume a stereotypical male role. Um, and that doesn't make that bad, Mm-mm. but it, it, our society is not celebrating the other side. I, I've talked to moms all the time who say, I'm, you know, I'm just a mom. What do you mean you're just a mom? That's the hardest job out there. I agree. So that's what in my generation, we had um, people saying, you know, girls saying, how can I be happy with my body with all these magazines? But it's a hundred times worse now online and nobody seems to talk about it. Yeah. um, I mean, not only did I have like a I was kind of insecure about like my like being like being feminine a little bit. Um, I mean, growing up. I mean, a lot of the content, the, the like comics and books and cartoons I would, I would read or watch as a kid were kind of, kind of like downplayed like the role of like the, the girls, like it was always like about the boys and the girls were always like getting in the way or they're like really stupid, not really, not really helping. But I also, because I was using social media so young and I was seeing like these very idealized images of women. Um, I mean, as I was just a kid and I wasn't like, I was only a few years in puberty, I wasn't very developed, but I also didn't understand that I wasn't really, most women aren't really supposed to look like that, but I started developing some body image issues and um, down the line, I was actually diagnosed with body dysmorphia well after I transitioned. Okay, so you go from not having any idea none of these ideas really crossed your mind. Yeah. 11, you get the phone. Then when do you start to say, I'm in the wrong body? How long after 11? So at around that time, I also started to get like a lot of LGBTQ content in my feed, especially like trans, like non-binary or um, things like that. Right. And a lot of it was coming from other young women as well, like ages maybe like 12 to 
early 20s. And, um, you know, I was kind of a, I was kind of an awkward kid. I, I'm actually on the spectrum, so I've kind of struggled a little bit with socializing with, especially with other people my age and making, keeping friends. And I found that as I got older, um, it got more difficult to make friends, especially with other girls my age. And, um, girls are vicious. Yeah. <laughs> they are vicious. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of struck me how, like, how happy these people outwardly seem to be and how when they came out to their families and their friends, they were accepted. Yeah. So and I, that was something that even if I didn't realize at the time, I wish that I had for myself. But you didn't find that. Not really, no. Okay. So before we get there, let's, let's take it the next step. Did you initiate this and say, I'm non-binary, I think I'm in the wrong body? What happened? What, who did you first tell and what happened? Yeah, so naturally after some time, after being exposed to stuff for, for a little bit, I started to wonder like, what am I? Who am I attracted to? What's what's my sexuality? What's my identity? And I kind of like switched through, switched between labels like bisexual, pansexual, and mm-hmm. went on. It went on to a gender, bigender, non-binary, and then eventually I settled on maybe I'm just not a girl and I'm actually a boy. And I started to cut my hair shorter. Um, I came Do out. Do you think this would have happened? without the media and the popularity of this? No, no, no. I wouldn't even known what it was. Okay. But I, I came out to my older sister and some closer family members and friends at school first. And then without my parents knowing, I started buying like clothes out of the, the boys section. And then after a few months, I, I came out to them. Um, I wrote a letter because I was, I was afraid of having that conversation, Mm -hmm. starting that conversation face to face. And I wanted to allow them some time to think about it. So I just left a letter on the dining room table. It is, um, it's frightening to talk to your parents about, and I've, as a parent have had conversations like these. And um, if you don't, and I don't know your situation with your parents, but if you don't have a conversation where you, you don't have a relationship where you feel I can say anything and they'll never stop loving me. It's tough because your age at that time, you don't really know that. You don't know that. What was your parents' reaction? Um, they, were, they were a little shocked, actually. They didn't, they didn't really expect this. I mean, yeah. they knew I was like a bit of a tomboy, but they never right. really saw this coming. And, you know, they were, they were normal people, and they didn't really know what to yeah. do about this. It, they so, were like really experts on the subject, and so they wanted to turn to the the real experts. Or they so took they, you to they thought, a doctor. Yeah, yeah they okay. they saw it as like a psychiatric issue, which they were right about that. But it wasn't treated as such by my therapist or any physician who is involved in my transition. More with Chloe in just a second. When the alarm clock goes off in the morning and you open your eyes, is pain the first thing you think about? Used to be for me. I'm going to face another day of this. For years, I suffered every day from just debilitating pain that really focused on my hands. 
it was uh, impossible really to do anything. Uh, and I, I didn't think I would be able to even do this, pick up a pen, write a note, write a letter or uh, paint a painting anymore. All of those things were so important to me, and I thought I lost them forever until I started taking Relief Factor. And I will tell you, I didn't believe in it. My wife made me take it. I took it, and I was actually surprised that it worked. Uh, you know, it's all natural and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I don't, you know, okay, all right, medicine doctor. It's not witchcraft. It is science developed by doctors, and it is it is great. Worked for me. And about 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. So maybe this is for you too. relieffactor.com call 800 for relief 800 the number for relief. It's relieffactor.com. When you went to the doctor, I'm assuming that your mom and dad had the best intents and just don't they want you safe and they want you yeah. happy. And they loved me and they wanted to figure out what was going on. Correct. Why I felt this way, and that was just never figured out. Unfortunately, it just went straight to, oh yeah, she's a boy. And behind my back, they actually told my parents that if I wasn't allowed to basically do what I wanted in my transition, that I would be at risk of suicide. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Had you said that to the doctors? No, I didn't. I wasn't suicidal. No ideation. Until, nothing. No, nothing. I wasn't suicidal until I was a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Into my medical transition. Wow. Okay. So the doctors, they didn't probe on what is happening to you in your life. They didn't talk to you about anything. They just accepted that you should be a boy. Yeah. And there is very little psychological evaluation. I did have some stuff going on at home and at school, but I mean, it was just never really probed into it was never really considered as having any relation to my gender dysphoria i was diagnosed with gender dysphoria i think by a i don't think it was by the first therapist i saw because he never really did anything actually but um i think it was <laughs> wow <clears throat> i think it was a gender specialist and um you know all the research i did on transitioning before and like the even like the um the medical professionals who I, I saw basically presented transition as the only means of treating dysphoria. No alternatives were even brought up, really. It was basically just, so if you believe you're a boy, then you're actually a boy. So I, I understand, and you can go into this or not, it's your choice, but some of the issues like at school were you were... Um, some boy uh, was quite inappropriate with you and that that made you so uncomfortable and you didn't want to be a girl. Part of that was you didn't want to be a girl because of that. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, um, this actually happened while I was early in my medical transition, a little down the line before I started to before I, I started. But I mean, a lot of my a lot of my girlfriends and um, some of the women I knew growing up had like a history of like being victims of mm -hmm. sexual assault or stalking or mm -hmm. abuse or rape. And like all these stories I would hear made me really afraid of eventually experiencing that for myself. And from a young age, I had a really bad fear of like being assaulted or raped. Oh my gosh. And so when that happened, 
you started to bind your breasts. Yeah. Right. And I was actually, it is a little unusual because at that point I was, um, I was several months on testosterone and blockers. Usually most trans identified women, um, will start binding long before they start, um, like the medical process. But I mean, I wore kind of like loose shirts and I was mm -hmm. at the time, maybe like a, like a, B cup or so so i didn't think that like my chest was very mm -hmm. noticeable but um that incident where he the boy who was bullying me groped me um made me very conscious of the appearance of my breasts and i wanted to hide them from the world forever gosh and no doctor ever talked to you about that no i actually never brought this up um, but did they give any... you the opportunity did they ask probing questions that would have gotten you there um, they probably have, but I never really, I never okay. really spoke up about it because, um, shame. Yeah, you that, know. and I kind of just told myself, you know, I was, I was trying to become a boy and I was like, I just told myself to man up basically. And I downplayed the incident in my head and I didn't really realize just how it affected me. But also I knew that at the time I wouldn't really be able to speak out about it because I, if I told my parents, then they would bring it up to the to the school, school the yeah. the school office and i know the school would probably just give the kid a slap on the wrist and he would maybe be suspended for a few days and then come back and maybe do something worse to me so. wow holy cow um what a I, I can't imagine growing up today i mean I, when i first saw uh, bruce jenner i mean i grew up when he was an olympian when i saw him tell his story and before was it before or right after he became Caitlin. I thought, I, I can't. I I feel so horrible that he spent his whole life feeling like that. I don't want anybody to feel like that. And it's a terrible feeling. Yeah. I still struggle with it to this day. It is. It's got to be horrible, horrible. And you want to be compassionate. I mean, I don't. You know, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, whatever, whatever. It doesn't affect me. Um, but I don't know what the compassionate thing is. Um, but I, I think, and help me out on this, I think until you've become an adult and you've settled, mm. I don't think if I would have made decisions on anything, I, if I would have had a tattoo, I probably had a Popeye tattoo on my face today. You know, you just don't make good decisions at that time. What is the most compassionate thing to do? I mean, it really, it really depends. You have to wait until the individual is an adult and preferably a fully developed adult. Um, but they, they'll, they'll say to you, well, yeah, but there's no puberty blockers. They can't, if they miss that window, then they miss it forever. It's not true. I mean, I know a lot of people who have transitioned well into their adulthood, like uh, like Buck Angel and Sarah Higdon and a few others, and they're pretty satisfied with their transitions. Mm -hmm. There's there shouldn't be a rush to make things make kids do things at an age where they're known to make rash decisions. So gender affirming care is what you received, right? But it wasn't really affirming anything other than a delusion. Explain that. I mean, I genuinely believe that I was a boy, but that couldn't possibly be true because I was born 
I was born female and sex is an immutable trait. But they'll tell you that sex and gender are different. <laughs> that's, that's where the argument kind of falls apart. But there's, there's a lot of places where it falls apart, actually. But yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Okay. They say, like, there's, they say that gender is, like, I mean, they say all sorts of things about it. Like, it's, uh, it's like, in the brain, and it's immutable, but also that it's, like, this detached entity from the body that somehow determines what you, who you are. Kind of like a, like a soul almost. Mm -hmm. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, okay, so you had this gender affirming care. You had parents who were lied to and yeah. were just, I mean, I honestly, I don't know what to do as a parent. I don't want to do, all I want to know is, is my child happy and healthy and how can I help them navigate? This is all new stuff to parents. They have no idea. So your parents are lied to on top of it. Um, and so you start taking the, the blockers and everything. What is that like to take the blockers and then to take testosterone? What happened? What did that feel like to you? Yeah. So I'd say the, <laughs> the amount of time between um, getting like the dysphoria diagnosis and actually getting like the prescriptions and then starting on the blockers and the testosterone was really, it was only a matter of months. It hadn't even been like a full year. Mm. It was only a few months after that I started that I, that I talked to my gender specialist and I was like, I want to, I want to go the medical route. I want to start taking testosterone and become, and you were excited become about more, it. yeah, mm -hmm. more like my real self this image of myself that i had in my head mm -hmm. um the first endocrinologist i was referred to actually had um he said no he did not allow me to go on these treatments because he said that there would be concerns for my brain development because i was so young he doesn't he didn't really know like how that might affect like my cognitive and emotional development going forward but I should have listened. We should have listened. But I mean, we heard this from nobody else. He's a very brave doctor. He's probably been fired or had to resign by now for doing that, honestly. Because you saw the doctor in California, right? Yeah. Guarantee he's, he's either um, <laughs> silenced himself or he is uh, no longer working. And it shouldn't be that way, but. Have you reached out to him? I, I have not. You should. And just say, I've thought about it. Yeah. That, I mean, especially if he's really struggling to know that somebody. I mean, there's a lot of doctors in the situation who want to speak out, but they just can't. They feel. Oh, yeah. Stifled. Oh, I know. I know. And I don't know if that's scarier or the doctors that truly believe this. I'd say it's. Equally, pretty scary. Yeah. But um, it was very easy to just get referred to another endocrinologist who, after like two or three appointments, gave me and my mom the consent forms and like the, the side effect forms to sign off on. And two months after that was when I think I was given my first blocker shot. And then. And what, there was, what did you feel anything when that came in? Did you. Were any changes happening to you, or is that just stopping progress? Um, 
I mean, it stopped the natural development of the sex hormones in my body. Right. Um, that causes a few side effects, um, which I was informed of. Okay. Um, but you were fine. Mm, no? <laughs> I'm not sure because um, while well, I was on it, while I was on them alone without the, the testosterone because I had, you know, after all the sex hormones were like flushed out of my body, I just felt kind of depressed. Right. And so... And nothing. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like I was waking up basically waiting for the first testosterone shot every day. But um, after a while, because it basically puts the body into a state of artificial menopause, I started experiencing hot flashes, oh which were really bad. Like I couldn't wear like pants or warm clothes in the winter and they would make my whole body itchy. And whenever, whenever they would come up, it was really hard to focus on Anything. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I, my wife has gone through and she, it was, it's hell. It's hell. No 13 year old should have to go through that. No, no. So then you get your first shot of testosterone. Mm -hmm. What did that feel like to you? It was, I mean, for lack of better words, it was euphoric. I mean, I finally had like, I, I had my energy back and, you know, I started, it was like this big milestone for me. And, you know, after, after some time, after maybe a week, I started noticing my voice was starting to drop. And after a few weeks to a few months, my features started to get more, more squarish, more masculine. Mm. And um, my hair started growing thicker and I started growing some muscle. And I mean, I felt good about myself. I felt did like you, I looked good. Did you feel differently or did you just see things differently? When, I mean... I'm sorry, this is probably a stupid question, but I, I've never talked to anybody who's done this. So do you, did you, when you got your energy back, was it a different kind of energy or did it feel like when you felt good as a girl? I mean, it's kind of hard to gauge how much of it was just like a... Actual and thinking? Yeah. Okay. I would say it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, testosterone mm -hmm. has... Maybe it's kind of an exaggeration to say it like this, but sort of like a stimulant effect. I mean, it gives you more energy, oh, yeah. more drive to do things. Oh, yeah. You become a little more competitive. We are dealing with so many massive issues, and we're not... I mean, I'm so honored that Chloe would sit with us and, and talk about this today, but this is not a, a normal conversation to have, even though it's such a huge part of what's happening in America. Same thing with abortion. We didn't talk about it for a long time. And um, we need to. We need to do everything we can to protect life. It's a very dark place that I think the progressives are taking us. But there is a light. And that light is preborn. That light is God. That light is you. Preborn introduces mothers um, who are considering abortions to save their baby, and they do it by using ultrasound. Once moms hear the heartbeat and see the life, 80% of the time they will choose life. Preborn pregnancy centers are positioned in top abortion areas where most abortions still take place, but preborn doesn't stop there. They love and support these mothers with maternity clothes, diapers, counseling, and they do this and so much more for like up to two years. Preborn is completely dependent on you, the pro-life community, and they are there fighting the giants. Would you help? 
For just $28, you can rescue a baby's life. 140 sponsors five ultrasounds. And now, through your match, your gift will be doubled. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies. Our goal is to save 50,000 Blaze babies. We ask, join us. Just dial pound 250. Say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 keyword baby. Or you can read more about it and donate securely at preborn.com slash Glenn. Okay. So you start getting that. Mm-hmm. Then I was in eighth grade at the time. I was, I was 13. Eighth yeah. Grade. 13. It was the second half of my eighth grade year. Did you get the, this is what year? 2016? 20, 2018. 2018 yes so this is not like the dark ages this is like now and at the height of everybody saying oh celebrate and accept yeah right did you get that acceptance um i mean i had some friends online who would like celebrate like every basically every big milestone in my transition in like kind of i guess you'd say like affirmed me but um i mean my family was accepting i wouldn't say that they celebrated my transition specifically but um they were loving mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. did you have did did you get that feeling when you thought wow these people are doing this and they're popular and they're happy and i want to do that that feeling that you had at 11. i would say a little down down the road um when i was in when I was in eighth grade, I was, you know, I was, I was still in middle school. And so people, the people around me weren't really the nicest at school. And, I, don't uh, think, <laughs> I don't think girls until maybe, well, I don't know when, until at least, you know, 18. I think they're vicious. Oh, yeah. They are vicious. Yeah. Um, some girls didn't treat me yeah. very nicely when I was transitioning. They would, um, and how they the, would ask some legitimate questions, but other times they would just like harass me a little bit. And um, I mean, it kind of was like an outcast amongst my my peers i bet because you're a neither world yeah so Um, and how did the boys react to you um it kind of depended like most of them were like what is going on yeah right (laughs) but i I made i made some friends who were were boys and they're they're fun to be around and yeah i made some pretty good friendships with them but um Boys are pretty much dogs. They're just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I liked about them. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and by the time I got into high school, I was on testosterone for long enough that, um, I mean, I passed as the opposite sex pretty well. My voice was deep enough and I didn't really have to worry about anything other than like getting like my, my files changed. But um, throughout high school, nobody actually really knew that I was transgender even um so you go to a, a bigger high school or a different high school yeah and yeah nobody would, nobody knows your past mm-hmm. so you're just accepted as a boy yeah so i mean some people who i know i knew in like elementary and middle school knew and then i was outed behind my back a few times to like a small number of people but nobody could really guess that i was a girl i mean i was just a short guy to them right i'm, I'm not i'm not that tall i'm like five foot three five foot four but i mean Considering my age at the time, I was only like 15, 14, 15, 16. So it was kind of just like maybe he's like a late bloomer or something. So are you still binding your breast at this point? Or what point no. do you decide to have the mastectomy? So um, 
I'd say about halfway into my sophomore year was when I decided that I wanted to get a mastectomy. I was I was 15 at the time, and um, by by this point, I had been binding for maybe about like two two and a half years, and you know, I was I was really sick of it because it binders are basically like these compression devices that cover the torso and in the chest area. There's like a there's like a like compression fabric mm-hmm. to basically flatten the appearance of the breasts and. Some some people get like really bad like breasts, rib, back pain from it. I never really. Is, can I can I tell you? I think this to me is akin in a child. It is akin to when the Chinese used to bind women's feet. I mean, this is this is just not good. It's not good. Yeah, I I never really experienced like pain, but I did have like discomfort from from it like but basically so you, sticking to me whenever i would like work out or like mm-hmm. swim and i didn't realize this until after my breasts were gone but they actually deformed my ribs a little bit because they did yeah um i think it's mostly because i was i was still growing when i was using one yeah. um they basically pushed the breast into the rib cage oh my and God. i wasn't like large chest or anything i was i was rather small and i had a i had a very small build and it fit well and it still it still caused damage. Is that going to affect any of your internal organs in the years to come? It's it's not too bad. I don't think okay, it's, it's gonna, just a little. Yeah. Okay. But it is noticeable. So when you went in for a double mastectomy, was there anyone who said, "Real problem. Don't do this." <sighs> No, there wasn't really like any psychological evaluation, which um, before, in the months before I got my mastectomy, actually, I had like a, I had like a note from one of my doctors to my school basically saying that I would be taking leave because I was in a lot of distress. Um, over the course of my transition, um, I actually developed more psychiatric issues as time go- went on. Um, you know, I was, I kind of thought that, like, I was really a boy, and by, by doing this, I would become my, I would become at peace with myself, I would, I would become whole, um, but it just, it just tore me apart more and more, and, uh. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Was there a period of time where you thought, this is gonna be great, and it, it's i'm transitioning now medically and it is good i was very sure until the end until after my 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 surgery and so when did the the doubts start to come in just after the surgery um it's kind of complicated because i mean right after the surgery like the moment i woke up to the moments the first few days at at home post-op i was i was pretty happy Okay. Um, I mean, I was even though you were in pain, you yeah, were happy. The pain wasn't too bad. It was like a deep muscle soreness, but oh, okay. the pain from the the pain medications um, it caused me like some really bad digestive issues, and I I had to go off of them within like two days. That mm. was the most physically painful part about it. But eventually, reality kind of struck me. Like I would, I wasn't allowed to like shower for a week, basically just to protect like the right, right. yeah, but. After I was like allowed to, and I started bathing, and I had to like take care of my my dressings and these big wounds on my chest, it was like I can barely look at myself. Like the thoughts of 
maybe this isn't the right thing. Um, didn't start until like a while after though, because I did start feeling some grief, but I couldn't really identify what the feeling was because it was like, I was so invested in this. I was maybe like three or four years into transitioning at this point. And like everybody around me knew me as Leo. And, um, you know, I didn't look like a girl at this point anymore. And it was just hard to think that it was the wrong, the wrong thing. You're too deep. When people get deep into something, the hardest thing is to to admit to yourself, uh-oh, this, this was wrong and change. That's one of the reasons why I said you're so amazingly brave. So amazingly brave. Thank you. Um, so you start to have these feelings of, uh-oh, were you longing to be a girl? Were you realizing that it's, this is a lie? That, you know, I'm going to be happy being this was a lie? Or what was it that you were feeling? At first, it was like, wow, I really miss, like, looking feminine, being pretty. And um, mm. I would, like, secretly, I, I was so embarrassed about it. I shouldn't have been because, you know, I was actually, I'm actually a girl. And there's, like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with any right. of that. But behind my parents' back, I basically bought, like, some makeup and... Oh like God. skirts and stuff and like i would just like uh. kind of like stay in my room and just like play video games while while wearing this stuff and not really go out like that but i sort of, i i started to withdraw a little bit from like the people around me and my surroundings i would just kind of just be just stay in my room like play video games all day and just draw and just be in my own world because I didn't want to live in reality. I didn't want to live in a reality where I looked like a boy and I, I felt stuck like that. Um, eventually, my grade performance started to, started to drop. Um, I mean, this is around the time that uh, COVID restrictions started to come into place and they started doing like the distance learning model. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, 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 made, that made it a lot harder for me. And I was kind of... I was kind of just stuck in this headspace because I couldn't really like, I couldn't really go out and like see my, my peers right. or anything. So I was just stuck on, everybody. yeah, I was stuck in my room, stuck in the internet all day. And, um, eventually I stopped paying attention to my classes and, um, basically just withdrew from the world as a whole. And my, my parents decided to take me out of school and put me into an, an online only program. Um, and during the second um, second quarter of the online program, I was taking a psychology class, and there was like a there were some some chapters on like child development and um, parenthood, and um, there was like a like a lesson on how like breastfeeding and physical contact plays a role in um, mm -hmm. in the bond between mother and child and then eventually goes on to affect like child development, like psychological, emotional development, problem solving. And I realized that like, I was told before my surgery that I would lose my ability to breastfeed, but I didn't really think this was important because, you know, I, I saw myself as a man and men don't do that. 
And, and you, I could just I could just use formula. Years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know what parenthood would look like for me because I wasn't right. thinking about that. I was thinking about like getting my schoolwork done and fitting in. But when that hits you, that I I can't chest feed. I can't breastfeed a child if I want to someday. And. I realized, like, not only did I lose the ability to naturally feed my kid, but I also could, it's so much more than just feeding them. Like, it plays a role in, in it's an important part of, of the bond yeah, I know. between a mother and her children. And I didn't know this, but when I realized that I took this away from myself, I felt like a monster. Like, I, <laughs> that was probably my worst I, I was probably at, at rock bottom at that point, and I just spent a few weeks just at my absolute lowest. And it wasn't until like maybe like two weeks later after I finished that lesson that I was like, this is all wrong, and I regret every single step of this. This shouldn't have happened, and it's, it's, it's just made everything worse. And... I feel like I'll never be able to go back and that is true in some ways. I'll never be able to, to feed my children. I don't know if I'll be able to safely um, carry a child to term because I was so young when I started medicalization, but um, that night when I made the realization, it was like, it was kind of like coming out all over, all over again, um, but even even scarier this time because like me and my parents and my family were so invested in this and it was it was all for nothing and i just felt like such a burden apart yeah and i couldn't even bring myself to talk to my mom face to face about it so i i i texted her and i i texted a friend about it and i i called i called him but it took a while for me to be able to have that conversation face to face and you know, sometimes my mom would like check up on me, like asking me if I was okay coming to my my room to like bring me food and stuff. But it um, it took a while to really, I guess, get the ball rolling and figure out where to go from there. Um, I stopped taking testosterone almost immediately, and um, that impacted my health quite a bit, actually. I um, because of the deficit of sex hormones in my body, I got, I was like really, um, I was having really bad like mood swings and I was very oh, prone God. to like emotional outbursts and um, I was not at my most stable. I wasn't very nice and I did, I did lose a few friends, all of them actually, every friend that I had at school and um, I lost quite a few. You know, you're, you know, all of this is okay, right? You know that. You know that this is this was not you being a monster. This was not you. You know, this was you as a kid making decisions that honestly shouldn't have, been, in my opinion, shouldn't have been um, made. Um, and they shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been options for you. But it, not to blame anybody else. But you know that anything that happened. You you can release that. You know you know that, don't you? Good. Um, 
but it it I got very sickly afterward as well. I dropped like 25 pounds within a matter of two months, and I was prone to getting ill. Um, and um, testosterone had some side effects for me. Um, maybe after like a year to a year and a half, I started developing like some some urinary tract issues, and by going off testosterone, it actually worsened for a little bit. Um, and did you start taking hormones? Um, no, I just... Stopped taking testosterone. Stopped taking testosterone, basically had to wait it out. And um, I did get my period about two months after the fact, which I think I'm, I'm, very, I'm very lucky for because... Sometimes it, it never came, comes back, right? Yeah. They came very soon, and um, they've been very regular since, which is a miracle, I think, because when, when I started, they, I was so young that they hadn't even regulated yeah i only had about like three to four per year um, hmm. so i guess there must have been at least some development having gone on my body somehow luckily there was a story this week uh that came from the netherlands the dutch are are buying farmers out or just pulling their property away um, because the farmers um aren't going to be able to grow anything or have ranches anymore because of the uh, the nitrogen that is now being outlawed, you know, because of the World Economic Forum and global warming. This is coming to America. This is a very big deal that people just don't understand what's coming. Good Ranchers is there. Um, I started looking for a company that would support Ranches like mine. I mean, I don't need it. Uh, luckily, I, I don't depend on ranching as my business. Um, however, there are people in my community, ranchers, who are barely holding on because they just can't afford to stay open. And if the government keeps twisting the knife, they're out. And that means we won't have either farms. They'll all be big industrial farms or you will uh, you'll have a, a rancher that just can't keep up with the price. And so they're not making meat anymore. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to good ranchers and look at what they have. They have seafood, they have chicken, they have beef, and they keep the prices low. And 100% of that meat comes from a good rancher here in America. So go to goodranchers.com. Use the promo code Glenn at checkout. You're going to save $35 off your delicious gift of meat, either to somebody you love or to you. Delicious. And it's a gift. Your gift will go further um, at, uh, uh, at Good Ranchers because they, they don't have the premium price on the premium meats. Give the best. GoodRanchers.com. Promo code Glenn. How's your friend network now? Um, I mean, it's not exactly where I want it to be. Um, some of my old friends really strongly disagree with, um, with what I'm doing now. And... Um, are, they haven't really are been. Are they transitioned? Yeah, I have a friend who um, is biologically female, right? Like like me, but okay. um, transitioning to and like a male identity. And so, is it is it because <clears throat> you've betrayed, or you, what? What is the problem? Yeah, um, I've I had a few friends before who were transgender, both online and. <laughs> Excuse me. That's all right. In person, but um, 
they a lot of them they cut ties with me or they started like um like harassing me because um i mean i think there's a lot of factors like jealousy and fear of being wrong themselves um a lot of them say things like you don't deserve parents who loved you enough to let you let you yeah. transition or you you were 13 you weren't you weren't a baby you knew exactly what you were doing to yourself oh my gosh. You, <laughs> are these people your age or um, older around my age if not like yeah. a few years older there i find that a lot of them are very very stunted in in a few ways and so they don't really understand just the the weight of the the situation unfortunately and they're going almost all of them are going through their own thing right now like no no mentally healthy person would be saying these things they're they're afraid and they're they're struggling themselves and seeing me going down having been having gone down this route further down this route than they have being jealous of that but also seeing that i was after so much time and effort i was still wrong that's i think that's that's terrifying for them mm -hmm. so there's a lot of mixed emotions and they can't really they can't really handle it and just, but if it truly is about accepting people who, for who they are, you know, who I was when I was 20 is not who I am today, you know, and we grow, we change, we're different, we learn. Absolutely. And nobody really talks about this, but the way you feel about transition will change over the course of one year, two years, five years, a decade, several decades. And there's kind of a honeymoon phase with each, with each, uh, with each stage of, with each part of the process. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know about this until I went through all of it. And I'm just, I'm just trying to, to warn them now. They're all, they're all adults and I can't really, their parents can't really do anything about them transitioning, but I just, I'm worried for them and I don't want them to end up the, the same way that I am now, or if not, if not worse. What, what do you wish would have happened if you had to replay it and you'd be like this is what should have happened what what should that have been i shouldn't have been allowed to medically transition at all um they i wish there was more, a more thorough assessment and more trust between me and my healthcare provider because there were some things that I couldn't really trust the adults with, unfortunately, like like the groping incident. How do you mean you couldn't trust an adult with that? I just felt like like speaking about it would just make the okay. situation worse. And maybe that was kind of on me, but... I don't know. Growing up, I just kind of had like a... sort of like a mistrust of the adults and even some of the people around me. So what is the compassionate thing to do? 13-year-old, let's start with a doctor. What is the compassionate thing to do? Probe more and Yes, do, okay? and bar them from any, any treatments. Them. Okay. A parent. Until, until, they're, until they're an adult and they're at a point in time when they're in a mental state that, that is healthy and yeah. they're able to... You don't have anything else. and able to consent. Yeah, right. You don't have anything else. It confuses. 
when you first go through puberty, it is confusing already. Um, what's the most compassionate thing a parent can do? Because your folks sound compassionate. What, what, what should I, if you were my daughter, what should I do to show support and compassion? I mean, really the best thing to do is to show them love without affirming the delusion. Tell them that they, they're not a boy and they never will be, but you accept them as they are and there's nothing that they need to change about themselves. Right. But if you want to wear boy clothing, I it's don't no care. problem. <laughs> right? But calling, you would have, when you were 15, if you were a friend of my daughter and you came over to my house um, and they would have introduced you as Leo, I would have called you Leo. You know? I mean, you wouldn't even have known. But if, I, but if I did, I still would go, hey, Leo. But I would tell my daughter, Leo is, is not a boy. But unless I knew you well, I wouldn't say that to you. Mm. But I would tell my daughter, she's a she okay is that wrong to do that and, and not say i don't, think so, I don't no. judge leo i i'm happy for leo if leo is happy but here's the truth mm -hmm. that's that's not compassionate in today's society that's wrong but there's it's only the truth and okay there's nothing wrong with telling the truth um what do you say to people who say no pronouns whatever you pick i have to say that because it's the only right thing to do because i just want you to be happy yeah it's it's complicated i mean that's really tough i i refer to people by the name and the pronouns they they want me to but See, um, unless they go out of their way to like yeah disrespect me right and, and like for instance i've never had a problem with caitlin jenner never don't have a problem but that's an adult exactly you know when a child or i'm sorry i'm just getting to the point where 25 years old is still a child to me but when somebody who hasn't really gone through life yet decides i'm bambi a deer I have a hard time. But if you're 50 years old and you're, I'm, no, I'm a furry animal. Okay, mm. whatever. Whatever. That makes you happy. Fine. It's, it's interesting that we're allowing kids and young adults to make these decisions that affect their overall health and their fertility when, I mean, why do you most people, a lot of people don't even know that they want to have kids until they're well into their 30s or 40s. I would have, if 15 years old, if if a vasectomy was a thing so i never had kids count me in yeah um i remember the endocrinologist the one who affirmed me um asked me like do you know that this treatment may affect your your fertility i was like oh i don't want to have kids because i was 13. <laughs> yeah right i don't know a kid that wants a kid um How's your safety? Uh, I mean, it's, it's... Don't don't tell me anything that you shouldn't... I don't want to make it worse for you, but do you fear for it at all? A little bit, yes. Um, 
I mean, I haven't been like recognized in public, but it might be getting yeah. to the point where I have to worry about that. I mean, I have this I have old friends things. in my area who strongly disagree with me, and they're not very friendly towards me. And and I mean, all over all over the country, there's there's people like that who I mean, I get I get really really hateful, really violent threats sometimes. I had somebody make two accounts on Twitter just to tell me that they were making like a, like a sex doll out of me, basically, out of my image. Mm. And some people like threaten, threaten violence or like threaten to, to kill me or assault me just, just for speaking out and giving my peace. Can you define what a woman is? Adult human female. <laughs> but what it's does that, it's that, that simple. mean? What does that mean? Uh, well, adult just means fully developed right. physically, mentally, mm-hmm. and human. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I'll have to explain that, but um, female just means that you produce or your body is um, centered around the production of the large gamete, the, the ova, the eggs. It's that simple. And just because you can't produce it doesn't mean for so, reasons like menopause or being too young or having some sort of condition doesn't make you, doesn't make you not female. It's just right. you're not able to. Right. Right. Um. If you could go back and talk to your 11-year-old self and, and really have her listen, try to put yourself where you were, where you thought you knew, what would you say to her? That's a hard one. I feel like I would have a lot to say, but I think the, one, of the most, one of the important things would be that, I mean... It's in such an image-oriented society, it's kind of, and especially with the advent of social media, it's really hard for young girls to really recognize this. But I mean, your worth is so much more than your looks. Um, I would tell her to spend a little less time off the off of the internet and social media go out a little bit more maybe mm-hmm. play a few sports to really focus on on something other than my body and the internet and um just to it was really hard to make friends at the school I was at but I could have been a little closer with my family. I feel like I would have been a lot happier if I was. Hmm. Talk to a parent. Your daughter or your son comes home and says, I don't know what I am, but I think I'm in the wrong body. How do the parents deal with that? I mean, I think the conversation should start with, um, trying to get to understand each other and letting your child know that you love them but that there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with them that there's no such thing as 
being born in the wrong body and that they're they're fine just as they are but as a parent it's really important to get down to the bottom of why why they're feeling such a way and where they got the idea from and mm-hmm. basically going from there chances are you might have to restrict their social media usage or take away their phones entirely boy i tell you in some <laughs> states hard. california you could be a gender denier and you'd have your child taken from you yeah i i actually know a few parents who have had their who lost all custody of their children oh because gosh. they won't affirm their kids are they heroes or monsters they're absolutely heroes because they fight for their kids i have to tell you i just love you so much you are you came in and you smiled and you there are times that i can see deep sadness in you but you are a delightful person you really are great <laughs> thank you yeah thank you thank you thanks for coming in thank you for having me here god bless just a reminder I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 